Here's a news flash for you. No baseball team anywhere wins with one-third of an outfield. Good morning to you. Good Monday morning from San Diego. I'm Dan Kovacevic of DK Pittsburgh Sports. I'm out here covering Pirates versus Padres. That series beginning here tonight with a 10-10 p.m. Eastern time first pitch. Pirates and Padres will play again tomorrow and Wednesday. And the Pirates are, I don't know, is reeling too strong a term? They've lost four in a row. They're now three games below 500. They were just swept yesterday back home by the Cardinals, the 3-0 loss. And, you know, every time any little thing goes wrong with this team, there's going to be a tendency to feel like, yeah, there it goes. That was fun. It's all over now. But that also happened when they were 1-6, and and they ended up bouncing back in a very big way. In large part, because they can pitch, especially out of the pen. And as I've been saying, going back to the middle of February, as long as this group of relievers is what it is, this team's going to stay competitive. Not contend, not anything ridiculous, but it's going to stay competitive. Even with a team like the one here in San Diego, which you'll recall was only able to get a split of a four-game series at PNC Park a month ago. They'll contend some other time, but they'll compete with anybody. So, if we can agree on that much, can we also agree that there's no point whatsoever to this really weird outfield roulette we're currently witnessing? With this team, I, I've said I'm okay with Brian Reynolds moving to center. I get it. The team just doesn't have center fielders, okay? And Reynolds has no issue shuttling back and forth. It doesn't affect any other aspect of his performance, and he's okay in center. He'll catch the ball. But in right field, you've got Gregory Polanco, who's now at 208 after another over four yesterday. And I understand what they're doing with Greg. He's making $11 million this year. They're hoping and praying that he would somehow catch fire and that somebody would take at least some of that salary off their hands in moving him out. But you're not going to get anything for Greg. The very most you could conceivably seek in a trade with Greg is for somebody to take some of that salary on. That's it. He's a... Wow, I was about to say lost cause. But he kind of is. He kind of is. An outfielder who can't throw, like at all, Is it, that's Island of Misfit Toys material. It just is. And he can't. He can't even get the ball to the infield since the shoulder surgery. I don't know why. I'm not a doctor. I, I, I just know that he can't. And I know that it's been two years now, so the idea that, oh, he's just recovering from it, no, 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 he's 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 toast. He can still hit the ball occasionally very, very hard and very, very far. But that's a broken player. That's a lost cause. 
And I'll say the same thing if he goes four for four here tonight with three bombs. Trust me on that. And then there's left field. What in the world is happening over there? It's like Ben Charrington's got this uh, revolving door of bad outfield rejects just passing through. Or center field, depending on how that's played out. Anthony Alford and Dustin Fowler were supposed to be either battling for or sharing center field duties, and they both ended up being train wrecks, which forced Reynolds to move to center, and now they've got Kai Tom in left, and he's a disaster defensively. He draws a lot of walks and occasionally makes whatever kind of contact, but this guy's not anybody's answer either, and I'm being kind with that assessment. So what are you doing? What are you doing? Jared Olive is hurt right now. Otherwise, I have a feeling he'd already be up here and at least be getting a chance. I'm not a big believer in Olive. I have not seen anywhere near enough of a bat to have hopes for him. But I'd be willing to see some more of Cole Tucker you know, would that be okay? You know, it, he's an infielder by trade, but he's shown that he's he's got the athleticism to play out there. And look, he has to hit at the big league level, and in the National League, you got to be able to play somewhere in the field. So just put him somewhere and, and let him hit. This is, I, I'm not quite at the phase here where I'm going to say. You know, throw everybody out, get all the kids in there, and, and whatever else here, because I'll go back to what I was saying five, six days ago when things were still going well for the club and say that there is a benefit. There is a plus to winning. There is a benefit. There is a plus to gaining confidence individually and collectively. The benefit and the plus goes all the way through the system, not just at the Pittsburgh level, not just whatever these guys might feel tonight here at Petco Park when they're high-fiving whatever after they beat the Padres. It, it flows all the way down through the system. When these kids can turn on uh, you know, baseball tonight or MLB Network and see the guys that they were – hobnobbing with in Bradenton in spring training doing well that's a that's a a thing that you want in your organization and I'm not ready to just discard it I'm not ready to just say you know what forget all this but I am ready to stop with this nonsense in the outfield maybe Tucker isn't the solution there but at least you're gaining something, theoretically, by getting him at bats at the major league level. Tucker, for anybody who doesn't know, was down in Bradenton, engaged in specialized instruction, working on his swing, working on his approach. It's been more than a month of that. He has not been with the satellite camp. He is not with AAA Indianapolis 
it's an unusual scenario. Oliva was down there for a while too, but he eventually got dispatched to the satellite camp. Not Tucker. Well, you know, <laughs> I don't know how much longer you could do that. I don't know how much specialized in-season instruction you can give. At some point or other, a young man's got to play baseball. Maybe this is just a reaction to watching all these terrible outfielders. Maybe it's just because I really, really, really like Tucker. Everybody likes Tucker. There's no way not to like the kid and to pull for him, to hope he does well. But it, this just has a this has an awkward feel to it, and it doesn't really line up with the rest of what we're seeing with this team. You know, uh, there's there's a handful of older players on the team, and I'm not going to lay every time the Pirates lose on the old guys and just credit the young guys whenever they win, because that not only would be unfair, it'd be inaccurate. But I do know that any time the team does not succeed, that that's going to be the way a lot of people look. And I'm not sure that they'd be wrong. Look at who the older guys are on this roster and ask yourself, what are they adding to the equation if the team isn't succeeding, if they aren't helping the team succeed? It would be wonderful if Neil Huntington and Kyle Stark had left this system in a state where you could just say, you know what, there's another couple of outfielders right now who've been just banging the door down in Indianapolis, meaning for a couple of years, and they're just ready and raring. Let's see what they've got. But those guys didn't do that. And as a result, Charrington has been stuck with that. And and. I, I don't mean to ignore that component of it. It's not like Charrington was the one that created this mess. He's just here to clean it up. But he's not going to clean it up by rotating a bunch of waiver wire claims and uh, potential imminent DFA guys. That's just not going to work out. The Pirates need to come up with some kind of forward-thinking forward-looking solution for the other two-thirds of that outfield around Brian Reynolds. When we come back, just one question. Welcome back. It's time for Just One Question here in San Diego, and that's brought to you on this program always by our friends at the North Shore Tavern back home across Federal Street from PNC Park. North Shore Tavern is the world's only 365 days a year pirate sports bar. Oh, sure, go there for the steak on a stone and all the other great food and the friendly service and the wide-open, spacious, clean dining areas, including outdoor options that are available to you. But stay for the pirate stuff. You could navigate front wall to back wall, and it'll take you probably about a half hour to absorb all of the memories, all the different names and faces 
that you'll see. It's quite the run through memory lane. North Shore Tavern, across from PNC Park. Today's question comes from Jason, who asks, plain and simple, how good is Tatis? (laughs) I like that. Fernando Tatis Jr. is the 22-year-old. He just turned 22, by the way, in January. He's the 22-year-old shortstop of the Padres here. And he is on a trajectory that is just terrifying, should he keep this up. At this age of his, he's already got 47 home runs in 163 games. He's got eight of them already this season, including one here yesterday, in just 75 at-bats. Um, forget the average. He's, he's batting 238. Consider the immense power that this young man has. Uh, the smooth, almost effortless uh, stroke. His his swing reminds me of, and this is going to be really dating this reference here, of George Foster from the Reds like a thousand years ago from the 70s. Uh, a guy who could just take this Take, take that stick. I don't even think of it as a bat because of how the, the, the speed with which it moves through the zone. But think of it as a stick that just rifles through the zone. And when it makes contact, it's just merciless. He had a game a few days ago where he knocked a couple bombs out against Trevor Bauer, the obnoxious pitcher of the Dodgers. And he hammed it up a little bit. And Bauer said afterward, well, yeah, that's his right and whatever. And they didn't fuss over it or anything. But it was part of the swag that Tatis brings to the game. And that's the other component that he offers. Uh, He's a star. He's a star in every way. If the people who run Major League Baseball are smart, and man, is that a big old if. They will promote this kid into infinity and they will do likewise with Juan Soto in Washington and Vlad Jr. up in Toronto and you'll do so regardless of what their market is. San Diego is one of the smaller markets in baseball. Toronto is not even in the United States. So there's 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 possibilities there for baseball to grow with this generation of potential stars. I mean, I'm not even mentioning Ronald Acuna Jr. and and, and there's others. I don't mean to leave people out. But baseball has a chance to grow with players like this, not just here in San Diego. They've always loved the Padres here. Uh, But now that the Padres are really good and thinking really big and thinking about their first World Series, it's gone to a different level. But what's always been neat for me here to see in this part of the world is how much the younger people here love the Padres and love baseball. Now, yes, this is San Diego's only team now since the Chargers moved north. So they've kind of got a captive audience here. At the same time, you still got to find a way to love baseball in order to love a team, right? 
Tatis is a big, big, big part of that. Uh, the Padres have done a lot of things really smartly and really well for a few years now. They didn't really get noticed for it until last year, whenever they had their uh, big breakthrough and looked like they might actually win that first World Series. But they're on that path. They're on the right path. If I tell you, if I tell you which team has a similar approach to organization building that the Padres do, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll hold off on that one. I'll hold off on that one. Thanks so much for the question, Jason. Thanks to everybody for listening. We'll have another Daily Shot of Pirates tomorrow. Point Park University, in the heart of downtown Pittsburgh, they understand there's no substitute for real-world experience and career-building connections. Their innovative curriculum engages students with distinctive experiential learning opportunities. Point Park's pioneering co-op program empowers qualified students to work in full-time, paid positions with their corporate partners while earning college credits. Visit pointpark.edu works to learn more. Career ready. That's the point. Point Park University. Your front door, your car, your gym locker, your gun. Safety is a habit. Learn more about how to keep guns safe and secure. Visit projectchildsafe.org.